Let's pray. God, we just say, we just welcome you here. We just declare again that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, we thank you again that in your goodness that you speak to us. And we thank you again that you have given us your word in written form, Lord, the Bible. And we, I just pray as I come to speak this morning that you would just ignite that word, Lord. It won't just be information, Lord. It won't be just nice stories. But, Lord, that you would take that word, Lord, and it would go deep into our hearts, Lord. That it would challenge us where we need to be challenged. It would comfort us where we need to be comforted. But, Lord, that we would go away today, Lord, different than how we came through that door. That we would say that we met with the living God today. That we just heard somebody speak. We didn't hear eloquence, maybe, or fumblingness, Lord, however I speak, Lord. But we hear your voice this morning because that is what we want, Lord. As we sang earlier, Lord, we are desperate for you, Lord. We need you. Come and meet us this morning. Amen. Well, as I said, we, uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and if you didn't happen to be there, I really encourage you to listen to it, because um, it does kind of link in quite a lot. And so, as it says here, it's the sequel. I don't know what to call it, too. It's a bit like when you do those films, and you know, the second film... It's a big disappointment in comparison to the first film. Uh, I'm hoping it won't be the case here. Hopefully, sometimes the second or the third are better than the original. So, yes, God, help me to do at least that. But the context of this verse is Jesus is walking past a kind of a group of individuals, and um, Peter and Andrew and John and James, um, these kind of brothers working fishing and Jesus comes along and he says come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and they kind of leave everything to go and follow uh, Jesus and um, and as I was talking a couple of weeks ago I also referred to a couple of verses which I will read here because as I was beginning to unpack what does it mean to come and follow Jesus what does that look like and so I refer to this story that we find in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Mary was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, only indeed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so last time I spoke, I was particularly talking about this invitation to follow Jesus. Maybe you could look at it as this invitation, like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus. To be in that place of giving one's full attention and focus to him. And those kind of words there about being worried and upset, as said in the kind of the original language Greek that was written in, meant kind of dragged away, distracted, pulled apart. One of my friends, I was mentioning it to and recently looked it up. He says, another way you can uh, use that word is this idea of being divided. And I particularly like that because. It's so easy for us to get 
distracted. It's so easy for us to give, get divided attention. Katie and I are currently um, what's called the Old Testament, which is like the first book, books in the, in the Bible. And often when you read that, the Israelites are challenged about not having other idols before God. They have these kind of card images. And it's very easy for people like ourselves to kind of think, oh, they did that kind of thing in the past. But to be honest, an idol is anything that grabs our attention above God. And um, anything that divides us. And so the challenge, and it's very hard to do this talk without being challenging to myself, let to you, is again that call, where are we being distracted? Where are we being dragged away? Where is our affection divided? And it can be a lot of even simple things. I know often in my life, as I was reflecting, some of the things I have had to give over to God a number of times, one is books. I love books. I read books all the time, but sometimes I find that reading a book gets in the way of me seeking God just for myself. The other thing I've had to give up many times over my life is one of my great loves, which might sound really weird to some of you, but those who are into it would appreciate it, is running. That is just dividing my attention in my pursuit of God. It's not saying it's bad, but it pulls me apart in the ultimate pursuit of God. What is it that distracts us? It could be a whole load of things. It could be the same as me. It could be music. It could be a certain TV series. It could be a whole load of different things. What is pulling us away from God? I came across this quote, and um, Ronald Ronheiser, I'm not sure you pronounce his name, but he said this, for every kind of reason, good and bad, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It's not that we have anything against God or depth and spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual. Distracting ourselves into oblivion. I mean, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? It's interesting that this kind of um, calling of God to listen appears actually 1,500 times. Don't ask me who counts these things. But, um, but it's pretty much the most frequent complaint in the Bible from God to his people that are saying that we are seeking to follow you. And he's saying, kind of listen to me. He has saved them. He has called them. He's bringing them into and inviting them into these kind of promises and a changed life and a changed way of doing life. But his number one complaint is that you are distracted. You have lost your focus. I brought you into all of this, but you have missed it. You're so busy, you're so distracted, you're so anxious that you're missing it. Oh, let me, let us not be so preoccupied that we distract ourselves into oblivion. A number of people that I work with are just based actually in Spain, which is why since I go to Spain just to work with them. And um, it seems to be one of the most popular things for these guys um, is to begin to do something called a Camino de Santiago. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a pilgrimage you can do. It's like 500 miles um, across the north of Spain. I'm kind of hoping one day to do it, if I can get people to come with me. 
And um, it's a kind of long walk, and you kind of walk bet- you know, between it, and you, it's called a pilgrimage, and it can take easy kind of 30, 40 days. But they tell me that often they have people, what they call tourists, El Camino de Santiago. It's not exactly a pilgrimage. They get in buses, and then they drive between the key locations. And, um, and they kind of miss the walk. They miss not being there present. And we laugh. But as I was talking about this with my, my friends, he says, you know, we're so often like that. We want the highlights. We want to be the kind of spiritual tourist, but we don't take the time to be present and engaged with God. I think it's particularly easy in a kind of church background like us to kind of acquaint the presence of God with dramatic moves of God. And that is true. That is one part of it. And i got some stories I could share with you, and I don't have time to share with you. I love those moments. But not just about that. I thought it was quite summarized, well summarized what I thought it was about, by this guy called John Tyson. He's the image there. And he says, we should live, kind of every moment of life lived with an intentional and cultivated awareness of God, his presence. Every moment of our life should be lived with an intentional and cultivated awareness of God, of his presence. Why am I talking about this? Because when we are invited, when we are challenged to come and follow Jesus, this is what he's inviting us into. And every moment of life with a cultivated awareness of his presence. When you are hungry for the presence of God, when you are desperate for him, and you're not addicted to the form you find it, you can encounter it in any place and anywhere. I love kind of gathering here on a Sunday, I come on a Sunday, press into his presence. There are certain things that make it easier for, for me to do it. But as the second phrase there says, we need to learn to find and live in God's presence in the present moment. And as he says, is the single most important task of the Christian life. And no spiritual discipline, what I'd call practice, is more fundamental or transforming than this one. Maybe one of my main goals today is to cultivate a hunger in you, for me to grow my hunger, to live an attentive life to the presence of God. To give attention to his presence so that we will not miss it. Because this is what it means when it says, come and follow me. Or not, you end up like the classic scenario that you see sometimes with children when they're younger and you give them a present at the birthday or the Christmas and they end up playing more with a wrapper and the box. Looking around, some parents seem to be familiar with that. Rather than what you gave them. And I think so often us as followers of Jesus, we end up doing that. We, we get caught up in the wrapper, we get caught up in the box and Jesus said, there's way more, it's me. I am the present and we get distracted. And like that story I read right at the beginning, Martha had missed it. She got distracted. So we come back to that challenge of seeking to avoid missing him. Distractions, I think, sometimes more than sin, will probably cause us to miss out on the kingdom of God coming more than anything else. 
There's a fourth one. There's a kind of discuss this in your. If you go, if you're in this church, I really encourage you to go to life group. It's kind of small groups where you can discuss things like that. There's a question to have in your life group. Distractions rather than sin will probably cause more people to miss out on the kingdom of God. We're distracting ourselves into oblivion. And sometimes these distractions come from inside us, random thoughts, anxiety. Sometimes they come from external distractions. And probably one of the most obvious ones I'm aware of is just technology. Trying to learn to create that stillness and silence in our lives. And I'm not talking about the kind of environments we're in. I'm, I'm aware of some of you in the situations that you're in. If you're here as a young mum, I tell you why, trying to find silence, um, it's nearly impossible. If you're working maybe in a really busy environment, it's very difficult to find physical kind of stillness and silence. I'm not talking about that. That helps. That definitely helps. I'm talking about an inner stillness and silence. And we got all these things that are distracting us. The University of California said the average person is distracted every 12 minutes of the day. It's hard to do life when you keep being interrupted. We have all these devices which have great benefit, but they're robbing us in some ways from the intimacy with God. Silence. We're not used to it. Why don't we have a moment of silence now? Just catch your breath after all that I've said. If you don't know what to do with silence, enjoy it. Maybe just acknowledge God afresh. Maybe you want to say, I love you. Maybe, as Joe said, you're kind of new to church. Maybe this is the first time you've been here. You might just want to say, I want to know you. Let me just pull you back. I like to do longer, but I don't have the time. But it's something that we need to grow in. And probably for this kind of moment, that probably wasn't too hard for you. There was some research done at University of Maryland in the States where they asked 200 students to fast for 24 hours from technology. Then they were asked to write about the experiences afterwards. Most people wrote three things. Firstly, they felt bored. Secondly, they felt like they were, li- they were missing out on the latest news and events. And then the other words they used were like jittery, very anxious, craving, inward withdrawals, miserable. These words seem to indicate kind of the words you'd expect of somebody that has an addiction. Are we being pulled apart? Are we choosing this warm thing of seeking God, do we need a conversion from the spirit of Martha to Mary, of learning to give him our full attention, not being pulled apart? I'd like to share a testimony with somebody who did this. 
John Coltrane. And um, I didn't know much about him, if I'm honest. And so I did some research on it. He wrote a famous kind of jazz album called A Love Supreme that we'll get back to. And he was a kind of a jazz protege in New York. And I mean, he was really into his saxophone. You know, people that write about his life said that he was so kind of caught up in it that the kind of the read that they, below one, I look to my ignorance, uh, would just bleed because he played with such energy and such passion. And like many of the great jazz players of that kind of period of time, the kind of 50s and, and 60s, in that circle, they moved with drugs, drink, and his body began to break down. His energetic playing style was in some ways an outward expression of his inward disorganized life. And if he carried on, it was going to kill him. So he decided he was going to take, go and see his mum and, uh, and have four days of detox. And one author in his life said he came out four days later, a changed man. And this is a book by a guy called Adam McHugh on him. Four days later, he emerged a changed man. But according to him, God had met him in a most unusual way. It was a sound. I just love that. This is our boy. That God speaks our language. You know, he speaks a musician in a sound. It was a sound, a droning resonance, a reverberation, unlike anything he'd ever heard. God's presence had come to John Corain as a sound. Not only did this divine group change his life, it changed the way he played. The frantic improvisation was replaced by a slow, soulful style. God spoke to him in the silence. He spoke to him in a sound that transformed his life. And from that point on, he's tried to recreate that sound because he thought if he could recreate that sound, that others would encounter God like he did. To a biographer, he wrote, the healing sound that he heard in silence. What a great phrase, a healing sound that he heard in silence. And I believe as we begin to create more of that aspect of silence, as we begin to sit more at the feet of Jesus like Mary, we will be transformed. And how did he uh, look at it? It's seen in this album and the makeup of this album. This is kind of thing I expect Nigel to do, actually, um, just um, in his music. And uh, he talked firstly about acknowledgement, the recognition of God, resolution, commitment to seek God, persuades the journey towards God, psalm, the celebration of the discovery of God. And when you are kind of converted and you have that stillness and silence, living with that awareness of God and not being distracted, is where we can get life and where we can give life to others. And I'm just going to use this as a template because I think it's quite useful. Firstly, there needs to be that acknowledgement, that acknowledgement that we are distracted, that we are pulled apart, that we are divided. That we find it difficult to be still and just be by ourselves sometimes. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to just keep looking at my apps, checking the the news, checking messages. It's easy just for me to keep myself busy sometimes, just even with seeing like reading or responding to the next email. When God is inviting me to sit at his feet and be still and be in the ultimate reality of the universe. I don't know if you've ever been out and just looked to the stars. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more difficult here. 
And my, my highlight of stargazing was being in a desert in uh, Sudan a number of years ago, clear sky, just lying there uh, on the ground, just seeing all the shooting stars, and you just get overwhelmed. It's like, wow. You have all these fiends, entertainment, and some of them are great. I mean, I love watching football, and sometimes when you see a good goal, it's a piece of art. It's beautiful. But nothing compares to the beauty of God's creation. And sometimes we get so caught up in the fiends around us that we miss the very presence and the glory of God right before us. And that's why he's saying, come follow me. Enter into life where you live with that awareness day by day. But we allow ourselves to be robbed. Then we've got to have this kind of resolution, this commitment to seek God. See, there's a war for our attention. You have to consciously choose to put our attention on God and his presence, to cultivate this desire to go after him. You know, uh, we sang this song, which I thought was very appropriate this morning. You know what? I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. But desperation, hunger needs to have practices that back it up. I could say, you know, I'm desperate. Well, probably not now, but maybe like 30 years ago when I was at my prime of running. You know, I'm desperate to represent England uh, in cross country. Well, desperation wasn't getting me very hard unless I put some practices in to help me do that. And so it's easy to say, God, I want you. There's a, a, a verse in Psalm 16, verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord before me so I shall not be shaken. I have set the law before me. There's a choice, there's an action, there's a resolution in our heart. I would suggest that each one of us, I don't know about you, but I get shaken sometimes. Things happen in my life, I get shaken. God, help me, help us to set you before us more and more, to make those choices that I will be somebody who seeks and enjoys and pursues the presence of God. Have that kind of resolution, that commitment. And again, this is one reason why I love these small groups that we have during the week. And if you're not involved in one, please feel free to come and speak to me and I can point you to the direction of different groups that might be meeting near you because this is a place where you can be encouraged. See, it's very easy to set a resolution for yourself, but there's nothing like telling somebody I see there's often we're running. Once you tell somebody you're running in the London Marathon and you start trying to get people to sponsor you, that really helps your resolution because you put it all out there, haven't you? Everybody knows that you're going to go for the London Marathon. It doesn't matter what it is, but once you put it out there, there's that aspect of people going, how is it going? How's your training going? What if we would say that for us? You know, ah, my resolution is I'm somebody is not going to allow myself to be pulled apart, divided, but I'm going to give more and more of my attention to God. Hey, Paul, feel free to ask me, by the way, in the coming weeks. How's that going? What's that looking like? How are you rearranging your life to see that happen more? So we need to do that. We need to just kind of pursue him. So well, I know in verse Psalm 27, Verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire 
in his temple. God, let that be more of who I am. Let me just seek you. Put you first. And this was written in a context where he was on the run. It's easy to think, well, that's nice for him because he's a picture, if anything, familiar with David. We know that at one point he was a shepherd and we picture him sitting on the sun shining, the green fields, playing his harp, all his bliss. Yes, that's nice to seek the Lord in those environments. No, he was on the run when this was written. Somebody was trying to kill him. He was kind of like in the crags and the rocks, in the hard places. And I don't know about you, probably maybe some other things would have been where my desire and prayer would go. But he was like, I'm a person of one thing. I'm undivided. My heart and affection is for you, God. It's you that I want. And so we need to become just aware, where is our affections going? I'm going to flick this up. You might want to take a picture of it because you're not going to get time really to go through it. But people that kind of, this is secular, they have this phrase, energy goes where attention focuses. And we probably can be aware of that in our lives. Anything that we really give our focus to, our energy will eventually begin to back it up. And without going for the nitty-gritty of it, I would challenge you, and I've been doing this, thinking about where do I give my attention to? To put it bluntly, what it distracts me, what pulls me away? And then that kind of challenge, how do I really want to live? What should I give my attention towards? And obviously, I'm coming here and saying we should give our attention to following Jesus because I think it's the best way to live. I think we should give our attention to living with that awareness of God and letting the reality of the awareness and the presence of God infiltrate, marinate every aspect of our life. And it doesn't matter how you feel in that gap of life, wherever you are in your life. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're working, whether you're not working, it doesn't really make a difference. It's just an aspect of what it looks like as it breaks forth. But we need to acknowledge where we're at and make choices. And then we need to just press in to his presence to encounter him. So where we're at, I don't know about you, but often I find I'm more like Martha and just caught up in doing things. And I feel that pull of God saying, come follow me, come follow me. About me, about him. And now we're going to make that choice. And that invitation, as I said last time, and I say again, is an invitation that comes again and again and again, day by day, moment by, by moment. God happens to be like Mary, because every time we find Mary in the Bible, she seems to get it right. There's a great story near the end of um, some of the books about Jesus' life, where this woman breaks this alabaster jar and pours it on his feet. And we're told in at least one of the Gospels, that's Mary. She got it right again and again. Sadly, every time Martha is mentioned, she's busy. Oh, God, make us Mary's. So, this invitation to come and follow Jesus. What does it look like for us today? This invitation to live a life that is not divided. What does that look like for us today? What does it look like for me? 
And um, we're going to have communion, as Joe mentioned. If you're um, helping with communion this morning, it might be just good just to come to the front and get yourselves ready. But kind of one way of kind of just responding, you see, this invitation to follow Jesus. We can only follow him and all that he has for us because of what he did and what we're celebrating and remembering today. You see, when we break bread, we got anybody... People helping? Yeah, if you're helping, can you come? <laughs> I can't. I don't want to live a divided life, just speaking and trying to get, sort this out. Um, so if you're going to grab it, maybe grab a cup, one, and then how many we got? Four. So two at the front and two at the back. And if gluten-free, whoever's got gluten-free, could just go to this side over here. And in a minute, I'm going to invite you to and um, come forward and. Um, for some of you, you'd say, you know, I follow Jesus. And so I'd say, again, respond to that invitation. What does it look like for you to follow? Where maybe you have a divided heart and saying, God, I want to see the reality of what you did on the cross. Your body broken, your blood poured out. You know, Jesus said, come follow me. And this is part of what it means to follow him. A writer who wrote a lot of the Bible, a guy called Paul, wrote in Philippians 3 verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow detained to the resurrection of the dead. That was kind of this aspect of I want to follow you. For some of you, uh, maybe you've been listening and some of the things that were mentioned earlier and you think, I don't know if I'm really following Jesus. Well, this is a great opportunity to respond. See, the invitation for each one of us, whether we've been following Jesus for a long time, and maybe for some of you this might be the first time, is found in what we're remembering here. None of us. Whether you feel like you lived a good life, you feel you lived a bad life, none of us can follow Jesus except for what he did on the cross. And so maybe for you, feel free to come forward. And as you come forward, just say, God, I accept your goodness, your love, your forgiveness as I take this communion. And in exchange, I give you my life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want to follow you. And some of you, as I heard this, and, and for me, I, this will be one of the main reasons I'm going to take communion is, it's like, God, I resolve, I want to live a less divided life. I need your help. And the strength and the power and the resurrection life comes through what we are going to celebrate. So I'm going to pray, and then I'd encourage you to come to whichever station is closest to you. Obviously, if you need gluten-free, go over there. Maybe the question is, as you come forward, what does following Jesus look like in your response to that as you take communion? So God, I just thank you that you're here. And to each one of us, you're saying, come follow me. And Lord, I pray you give us the strength to follow you, wherever that might be, whatever you're asking us to step into, whatever you're asking us to step out of, whatever the things that are pulling us apart, that we would say yes to you. 
Amen. So why don't you begin just to make your way um, to one of the stations as part of your response to that invitation.